0: Welcome to the Ed Epley Experience. 20 minutes that simplifies the complex job of managing and leading people and inspires you to take action on what you probably already know to build and sustain a smart and healthy business. Here's your host, Ed Epley, to introduce this week's guest and business leader.
1: Welcome to the Ed Epley Experience. 20 minutes. Of ideas to simplify the complex job of managing and leading a sustainable business. And we have with us today a real treat, a gentleman I've gotten to know over the last, gee, many Christmas. It's scary, probably five or six years now. Uh, Mr. Lauren Feldman. And Lauren is no stranger to podcasts. Um, he's been the host on Wharton Business Radio. And now I'm going to let you tell the audience, Lauren, the title that you now carry. But, you know, if you're, if you're online, you will see his morning, uh, 21 hats e newsletter that has wonderful content, ideas, and connections for helping you run a more successful business. So please help me welcome Lauren Feldman to the Ed Epley experience.
2: Thank you, Ed. I am uh, Chief Content Officer of 21 Hats, a brand new uh, platform for business owners and entrepreneurs. And yes, we do have the 21 Hats Morning Report. Thanks in part to people like you who've been kind enough to subscribe and let us know when we could do things better, which I <laughs> always appreciate. Uh, we also have a brand new podcast. Uh, we beat you to podcasting by about two weeks, I think. The 21 Hats podcast is a weekly conversation that I lead with five regulars, all business owners. Each week, it's three of the, f- the five join us. Uh, and we have uh, big plans for a whole website platform uh, with content and community that we're open to launch later this year. You can learn more at 21hats.com.
1: Hey, Lauren, I think it would be important for people to know you have had a passion for being around and talking to and promoting entrepreneurs. That's not something you're late to. Can you explain the evolution of how that happened for us?
2: I, I'm not sure I understand it myself. It was kind of a fluke thing, but I'll, I'll take a crack at Please. it. Uh I spent uh, most of my career as a Kind of a general interest journalist, I dabbled in sports and some business and politics. But in 2002, I went to work at Inc. magazine. I had been working at a number of magazines. I was kind of in the, uh, my general routine was to go somewhere and be part of rethinking, reimagining a publication and then moving on to the next one. Uh, I went to Inc. in 2002. And a couple of things happened. One, I really liked it. I met some great people. I got caught up in the subject matter. And (laughs) thanks to the internet, the media business started to decline and it became a lot harder to get a job. Uh, So I was kind of stuck there whether I liked it or not. Luckily for me, I did like it. And um, ever since then, I've developed this unexpected uh, specialty in covering business ownership and entrepreneurship.
1: I think it's safe to say that you were intrigued and i'm going to use that word my mine not yours but intrigued by entrepreneurs before entrepreneurship was cool I, I, I think I think you, you recognize these people are a little bit different.
2: I, I, there's some truth to that, I think. Um, you know, I, I certainly recognized it before a lot of my colleagues did. Yeah. You know, I was like a lot of business journalists. We tend to get caught up in, you know, the big stories about a company that shoots the moon and, you know, seems to do everything right and, and you know, changes the world and makes a fortune for a bunch of people. And, you know, it's easy to fault. Those stories are interesting. They're intriguing. There's good stuff there. But that's not the experience that most entrepreneurs or business owners have. And I really got interested in this area when I found that out, when I realized that there was this whole side of entrepreneurship that wasn't getting the attention it deserved.
1: You just made me think of this is a supposition on my part, and it's probably flawed and faulty and will probably get a lot of kickback from folks who might hear me say it, if I say it again, I'm almost of the opinion that people in tech, a lot of those people, especially Silicon Valley kinds of folks, are not the kinds of entrepreneurs that you and I tend to think of.
2: Or to focus on. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. I think, you know, for me, part of the reason for that is it's just trying to go where the market has room uh so there's lots of coverage for companies in silicon valley and yeah. for me that was all that was enough reason to look elsewhere um but i also find you know people in silicon valley people in wall street a lot of journalists think that's what risk is all about and that they're, you know, taking big risks and to some extent they're taking risks, but they're taking risks with other people's money. And that's very different. And when I figured out something that, you know, you've known uh, forever that, you know, it's, it's, it's common for a business owner to take out a loan and have to use his or her home as collateral. Um, That's taking a risk. And, you know, when I realized that that's what it took to get a business off the ground, that made me think, you know, this this is where I wanted to focus.
1: I'll go so far as to say that the majority of entrepreneurs that I know, when they start the business, there is no end game. It is all about starting the business. and, And sometimes much to their detriment, they don't have an end game in mind. Whereas a lot of these other tech startups that we think about with Silicon Valley, it's a very finite, we're getting this in and we have this plan to get out and, you know, uh, at some kind of multiple, but that's in three to five years. And and they're into a different kind of entrepreneurship than the vast majority of of small business owners.
2: That's absolutely right. I I actually have a friend who has a business in Silicon Valley that he went to Stanford. He has lots of friends who've gone the venture capital route, but he chose, he wanted to be his own boss. He built his own company with his own money and it's now a hundred million dollar company plus uh, but he still. Ha- all his friends are saying to him, "You know, why haven't you sold that thing yet? What do you know? Why don't you do something r- real now?" And he he's built this great business that he loves working in and wants to keep growing. And they think he's nuts. All right. So we we
1: agree that these entrepreneurs that we both have affection for, the they're not like most other people, and. <laughs> So there's good news to that and there's bad news to that. And my guess is you've been around enough of us now, and I include myself in that group. Uh What's the downside for us, do you think? Because we are these different people, see risk differently, and probably look at the world for the most part through some different lenses than the average person. Do you, do you think
2: of any? Yeah, I think the one that seems foremost to me is I think to get a business off the ground, you have to be really independent-minded and even stubborn. Uh, You have to proceed even when lots of people are telling you you're nuts, it's not going to work. Don't do this. Why are you wasting your education or your money or or whatever, your time, if nothing else? Um, And you you have to keep going. And people who are successful doing this do keep going and they do build a business. But at a certain point, they reach the limits of, you know, what they know um, and they have to start taking advice, but they're, you know, <laughs> how do you know when that moment is? You've, you've succeeded by going your own path and uh, not listening to the people who are telling you, you're doing it wrong. At some point, you're going to do something wrong, and you're going to have to start listening to other people. How do you know when that time has arrived? I think that's a real issue for a lot of people.
1: You know, it occurs to me, and I'm thinking of a number of my clients right now as we have this conversation. Not all of whom are the, you know, the, quote uh, traditional entrepreneur end quote because they didn't start the business, but they're operating it, and it's a closely held business. And uh, they may be an owner now, but they didn't start it. So, the, the, what you're making me think of, though, is that that whole premise of knowing when you're not the right person. Uh, to either continue to lead the business, or when you need other advice or talent around you beyond what you have, that's a real dilemma for anybody, regardless of whether they started the business or not. And I, I suspect uh, in your journalistic career, you've you've been a uh, witness to a lot of either successes or terrible failures when somebody didn't have the self awareness to know that.
2: Th- that's true of people we've covered. That's also true of <laughs> the companies and publications where I've been employed.
1: Oh, oh, I, I wanna ask them questions, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to put you in that position.
2: <laughs> ask me anything, Ed.
1: Well, That's what I'm uh, here. Without for. naming names, uh what was the what was the worst time that you saw that where someone simply had the, the lack of self awareness that it just it just it really caused them to be uh either Less successful than they would have been, or maybe even cause them to become unsuccessful.
2: You know, I th- I would say two things. One, the the real common thread at most of the places where I've worked, especially the business publications, is we love to tell other people how to run their businesses. <laughs> oh, yeah. We got you know pages and pages and pages of advice. Right? Do we ever follow that advice ourselves? <laughs> I would argue it's very, very rare. I have, you know, I've worked at it quite a few places. Yeah. I haven't seen it very often. Uh, the other example I would give, perhaps more along the lines of what you were asking for, is I did work for a magazine that was family owned at one point. And it was run by uh, kind of a a father and son tag team. Uh, The father was about 80 and hanging on and wanting to make the big decisions. And the son was 40 and a little bit frustrated that he wasn't really in charge. They had very different instincts. As point person who reported directly to them, it was very hard because they would pull when, when I ha, when they had me one- on- one, they would pull me in different directions. Oh, yeah. When they were in the same room, they would pretend that they agreed on everything. And it left me, you know, I, I couldn't say, yeah, but he told me to, <laughs> to do this. Uh, <laughs> that, that was never a viable response. And as a result, I, I, I was fired well, you know, I made my mistakes too, and I don't want to blame it all on this. But I was fired after two years, and I joined I joined a long line of other editors who were fired after two or three years as well.
1: It is funny how if we don't learn from those kinds of mistakes, and I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about the the father and son in that instance. They're they're doomed to repeat it. It's going to. It's not a question of if. It's going to. It's going to play back out. I appreciate you sharing some of that background.
0: You're listening to the Ed Epley Experience. Email Ed now with your questions for today's guest to podcast at theepleygroup.com. In his book, Let's Be Clear, Six Disciplines of Focused Management Pros, author Ed Epley breaks down key practices of professional management, how to implement them, and why it matters. Purchase your copy on amazon.com today develop your competitive edge for the future while building a sustainable and thriving business.
1: One of the things I like to ask our guests is about who is the kind of individual um, who's influenced you in your own leadership and your own business acumen journey? My guess is there's one or two people that had a significant, probably a disproportionate amount of influence on you becoming the business person you've become today, Lauren.
2: You know, I could probably give you 10 or 20 if you gave me the time. (laughs) <laughs> other than me, other than me, now who's the one that, that's had the? <laughs> well, I'm going to get to you because you are one of them. Uh, the the first one I think of uh, who really started to open my eyes. Um, you know, again, it's this thing. I as a journalist, you're looking for the big story. You want to get on the cover of the magazine, and you know your instinct is that's finding the next Uber, not figuring out why a. You know, mid-sized business in some mid market has turned things around and is now succeeding right. where they, you know, weren't before. Although that, to me, can be a much more interesting story. I had my eyes opened at a focus group we did when I was at Inc. Magazine, we were asking business owners, uh, it probably had a table of about 12 people, we're going around the room, what do you want from this magazine? How can we be of help to you? And we got to one person who, for some reason, he was across the table from me, happened to look me right in the eye, and he said, well, I can tell you what I don't want. I don't want to be told how to run my business by some 24-year-old reporter working for a (laughs) money-losing publication. (laughs) And... It's it's funny and it's obvious, but I'll tell you, there are a lot of people in journalism who haven't heard that message and <laughs> don't really get uh, it.
1: I would have paid a lot of money to see the conversation <laughs> and to see the look on your face.
2: <laughs> it it was it was a great moment. And again, it, it you know, once you hear it, it sounds like the most obvious thing in the world. But it's it's really influenced what I've tried to do ever since then. And I think of that conversation all the time are whatever I'm doing. Is this something that would speak to that person or not? Yeah. And yeah. if the answer is no, then I know I got to think about what I'm doing. That's
1: that's a great story. In all of our conversations, I've, I've never heard that one before. Uh, is there anybody, is there anybody that you think of as an icon or a, a role model that if if somebody said to you you know what's a great leader and and ceo or executive look like is there anybody that you think is a is kind of like wow that's that's worth modeling
2: you know i don't feel as though i have gotten to know any one individual leader well enough uh to, to make a pronouncement like that um yeah Honestly, I'm I'm skeptical of a lot of the people you read about who are portrayed <laughs> as being, uh, you know, the best of the best. I yeah. think my uh, general, my innate skepticism as a journalist tells me, you know, there, there's another side to the story somewhere. And I don't know what it is, but I, you know. I don't want to assume that they figured everything out. So, you know, I tend to look more for individual lessons and not uh, a individual leader to pin all of our hopes and dreams on. If you know what I mean,
1: I I think it's a very wise and fair answer. There's an old Groucho Marx line about I wouldn't want to be a member of any club that would have me as a member. And I think that I think there's a lot. I think that the people that I most admire um for their leadership abilities and and uh the way they operate you know just the 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 values that they use to guide their behavior for the most part they tend to be really their own worst critic that they tend to see a lot more flaws in themselves than most other people would and they also have a mentality that they play a bit they play the game a little bit scared what i mean by that is they're always looking over their shoulder as somebody's gaining on them or They're never satisfied with where they are.
2: So, so, you know, what I can tell you is that the the people who appeal to me are the people you know, especially because I come at it, this as a journalist. I, I love meeting people who are open and, and this is, this has been a great thing about covering entrepreneurs. They are so much more willing to share their experiences, to acknowledge their yeah. mistakes than people in other walks of life. As a journalist, you know, try, try asking a politician right. or right. an athlete about, you know, what they've done wrong. It, it, it often doesn't go well, but entrepreneurs, even if they, know that competitors may benefit from hearing some of this. They're generally willing to describe what they've been through in the hope that you know they can help someone else avoid making the mistakes that they made. So th- those are the people that appeal to me. One of them you've met a guy named Jay Goltz who has a uh, picture framing shop in in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he I met him early on and he was a uh, w- when I was at Inc. and he was another person who really opened my eyes. He he likes to say that there are three stages in building a business: the startup stage, the throw up stage, and the grow up stage. And uh, the great thing about Jay is he acknowledges <laughs> that everything he's learned, he's learned the hard way by making mistakes and he's more than willing to share what those mistakes are. So oh, yeah. th- that had a, a really big impact on me. And if, if you let me keep talking a, a a little bit more, I'll tell you about a guy I met at a support organization for business owners called aileron. They have something there called the uh, president's <laughs> course. And I sat on, on a course taught by this guy and it was a great experience for me because it was a little bit like a 12-step program in that you have all these business owners there, and the guy leading the session went around the room, and each owner had to introduce themselves and talk about what they were struggling with. And then uh, as a facilitator, he, he asked them some important questions. And a couple of them, this must have been you know, at least six years ago, a couple of them have really stuck with me, but one moment in particular where he, he asked, I want to ask you, Think about your employees. If you had it to do over again, would you hire them again? And there was this one owner who was there with his wife, uh, a co-owner, who stood up, and he started to hem and haw, uh, and the facilitator just... uh, wouldn't let him get away with it until finally his wife said, come on, you know, you wouldn't hire them again. <laughs> and it was just, this great real moment. And of course the, that facilitator was you.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I do remember that. And uh, I have to be truthful in those moments. I don't recognize I'm really doing it. Uh, I really, I don't, I don't feel like I'm continuing to push. It's just something that I tend to do intuitively
2: You do it really well. Actually, you know, that's funny. That thing was so long ago and I've done so many other sessions, but there are moments from it that I will always remember. And there was another one where a woman stood up and talked about a business she was building. And I don't know how you got it, but you got her to volunteer that. Uh, 70% of her business was coming from one client. And your response was, oh, yeah. so you're really working for that client. And she didn't get it. She, her response was, oh, no, no, I'm an independently owned business. And you said, no, <laughs> you, you're working for your client. And what was so interesting, so eventually she got it, of course. But then as you kept going around the room, we got to someone else who had been down the same road and right. and lost that client and was now trying to regroup having lost 70 or 80% of his business.
1: Yeah. And, and I actually uh, met with that gentleman that you're, you're thinking of. I met with him about 18 months after that took place and he had essentially had to rebuild his business uh, because that, that one client was so disproportionately important to them. Uh, they, they uh, ended up probably laying off about more than half of their staff I think they were like 70, 80 people, and they were down to about 30 when I met with him again. But he was, I mean, thankfully, he had built at this point a much more sustainable business. The the the, the new business was not so disproportionately dependent upon any one client, and, and his ability to continue to be in business is much better today than it was at the time when that happened.
2: No, I'm glad to hear that.
1: Yeah, I, I was too, because uh, you hate to see somebody who's put so much in, into uh, a business to potentially lose it all.
2: But, you know, that's the kind of thing that I love about this, because, you know, h- how do you get into that situation? I-, I don't know his story, but it's very possible that, you he- know, he- I mean, he didn't set out to have one client who had 70 or 80 he- percent. He got a great client. The client kept growing. The client wanted him to do more. What- what's he supposed to do? Say no. Uh, and then one day you wake up and you're in a dangerous position. That's what's interesting about this. If you had one piece of advice to,
1: to give to a business owner or executive to help them be more self-aware, what would it be for you? I've got, I've got my own opinions. I'm curious about how would how would you suggest to somebody who's pretty much been self-reliant to get to where they are, how do they open up and, and give themselves the benefit of, of having other people's counsel?
2: You, you mean aside from subscribing to the 21 Hats uh, <laughs> Morning Report and the 21 Hats Podcast? Yeah, not, other than that, yeah. Other than that, uh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I... One of the reasons I've enjoyed doing what I do and reaching out is I do believe that an occupational hazard for a lot of business owners, entrepreneurs, is that feeling of isolation, of not really knowing where to turn to, you know, find a mentor, to find uh, a peer, to get, you know, somebody, a sounding board. I think you know that's the the great aspect of aileron the organization uh where i met you it, it creates that for people um a lot of people don't find that and i think that's that's a a real problem and there isn't necessarily an easy answer to it there are all kinds of peer group organizations i know owners who've been through you know five uh vistage groups and uh yeah. and a whole bunch of other organizations and what i've heard from people who've done those is that if you get in the right one it's fantastic if you get in the wrong one it's really frustrating yeah. and i i don't know what the answer to that is except uh i guess my only advice is it's really important and it's really important to keep trying to look you know to try to find your tribe wherever that may be
1: yeah i, I i'm with you i think the vestiges, i think the uh the peer groups are always a, a a good window to learning some things and, and being exposed to some things that, that about yourself that you need to know. I, I've really come to the conclusion that the Board of Advisors is a a really powerful tool that has multiple facets to it that uh help the business be better. But I think the number one thing it does overall is it makes the owner or the CEO or the president who has this board of advisors be much more open to the premise of they have something to learn and they intuitively at a minimum and most of them other than that i mean consciously know they have something to learn but it's having that new idea come from somebody they respect somebody that that they think is worthy of giving them that advice and i exactly. think the i think the teacher is so important for that that business owner ceo president and and most of us are pretty harsh critics not unlike that gentleman that talked to you when you were 24 who said, you know, I'm not going to learn something from you. And even though you might've had a great idea to help that he was not ready to hear it from somebody that looked and, you know, was your age and, and clearly didn't have that much experience. So I'm really, the longer I'm around it, the more I believe boards of advisors are hypercritical.
2: Um, I, I agree. And, you know, I'm just, I'm amazed at how successful people are without finding that soundboard. Uh, it's amazing how far some people get before they they do find a place where they can go. And, you know, I've even seen it, you know, we've, we've just started this, this podcast. We did one on pricing, which I think is so important and doesn't yep. get discussed enough. And I, I started the conversation with three business owners by asking them, when was the last time you raised prices? And there's a, a very smart woman on the podcast who uh, has a chain of hair salons and her answer was um never actually and how long have you been in business uh seven years oh my you know somebody like that who who had she i mean she's this is a very smart woman who's going to be very successful i'm convinced had she been in some sort of group had she been talking to people i think she would have figured that out sooner Oh yeah,
1: <laughs> Yeah, end of, end of comment. Absolutely, um, Lauren. We're running up uh, against our time window. I want to give you a chance to tell people about what you're trying to make happen. I didn't. I didn't really do enough about Twenty One Hats.
2: Oh, yes, you did. I, I've, I've gotten a couple of shameless plugs in there on my own. You, you don't have to apologize to me. <laughs>
1: but, but I want to, I want to give you one more time because I think it's so important to the entrepreneurial community and the business community in general, especially small business. So this is a platform that you're really trying to create a, a location, multiple times and places and ways to access it. So give us one more pass at, at what 21 Hats is all about.
2: Uh, well, as I said, we, we started, we have this daily newsletter at the moment, it's mostly aggregation. We're finding the stories on the on the web that we think are most important to somebody running a business today. Uh, and we try to, you know, we put it in one place. So you have one stop to go where you can find if, if somebody's done something really smart about hiring or marketing, uh, if somebody's had a great experience, you know, doing some kind of Instagram ad, uh, h- here's where you can find something like that. And, you know, we think that's pretty useful. The podcast, you know, we were just talking about. It's it's the idea it's for, for people you know, a lot of people can't afford uh whatever it costs to join a vistage group. Right. We're we're having a starting a conversation. We do this weekly. To some extent, we, th- we think of it as being a little bit like the view for business owners. Every week we sit down and uh, compare notes, and to some extent, it's about the challenges that these owners face in their own businesses, but we also cover you know, big issue topics. So I think the, the most common complaint I hear uh, over the last six months, more than that, 18 months maybe, is I can't find good people. I don't know how to hire a- anymore. I-, I can't afford to pay uh, what it seems to take. W- what do I do? Uh, we talk about that a lot. So uh, that's how far we've gotten so far. We have uh, high hopes of launching a an actual website later this year, where we'll publish a lot of stories that will address these kinds of issues. But more importantly, remembering that guy <laughs> who made fun of the 24 year old reporter in the in the focus group, it's it's going to be a community. It's we're not going to be lecturing. We're not just going to be throwing information at people. We're trying to start a conversation. Let people talk to each other. So so that they can learn from their peers.
1: Lauren Feldman's been our guest, and I would, I would also tell you that he is a resource. He's not, he's not simply a, somebody who puts content out. If you want to strike up a dialogue, you can reach out to him, email him, and he's the kind of guy who takes a genuine interest in people who are thirsting for knowledge and wanting to uh, further the entrepreneurial success stories that we have here in the United States and elsewhere. So, Lauren, thank you so much for taking time to join us. I want people to know about you. I want you to them to know about 21 Hats because you've been instrumental in, in helping me become what I've become. And, and I'm thankful that other people have now have a chance to do so as well.
2: Thank you. Well, that's very nice of you to say. This has been an honor for me and also fun because I usually ask the questions. It's uh, an interesting experience to have to try to answer them. Thank you for giving me this opportunity.
1: You're welcome. And we will do this again, and we're going to be more targeted in our next conversation. I'm going to come up with a particular topic and say we're going to stay on the, on that particular topic. Good to be with you, as always. Thank you, sir.
0: Thank you for listening to the Ed Epley Experience. For more information on building a more sustainable, smarter, and healthier business, Visit www.theepleygroup.com for resources, tips, and Ed's latest blogs. That's the Eppley, E-P-P-L-E-Y group.com. Plus, take a free assessment at theepleygroup.com slash assessment to find out how you measure up as a highly skilled and accomplished manager, and where to focus on improving your skills.